Welcome to Drunk on Comics Podcast, episode 320. Oh, 320. Lens! <laughs> I'm back! Yay! Yay, Lens! I know everybody missed me. I did, at least. <laughs> um, yeah, so we have another great uh, show this week. We're talking again, doing some comic book reviews. We haven't really done that the last couple weeks. Because you've been conning it up. Yes. Yes. I am such a con man. You are. Also talking about the news that's going on within the industry. Lots of numbers from movies yeah. and movies well, canceling, movies Well, more on the Stan Lee saga. My favorite uh, soap opera. But really, it it's good to be back in the studio yeah. hanging out with my good friend. So with that, grab a drink and enjoy Drunk on Comics Podcast, episode 320. Back to basics. <laughs> I can't be trusted with anything that makes know noise. Why I have so many noisemakers. I mean, I will do it over here. Where did you get that from? I don't know. I think maybe in like some... Where do you get these toys? I don't... They just... They come out of like nowhere. It's magic. There's some sort of weird trash portal in your house. This is not trash. (laughs) Stop saying that. (laughs) This is a thing that came from like some like... Maybe my nephew's birthday party Ah. grab bag or something. And I did think it was annoying. So like... I grabbed it, but why I put everything in the recording studio on the table. I just want to play with all of it. Yeah, and everyone touching stuff. When I had a a young Derek in here the other day, he hasn't been here in in months. So I see this, it makes noise. Let's start playing with that. Do we not know the rules of podcasting? To be fair, you guys should see this table. You would think that he would have learned by now and just emptied this fucking table so we didn't have anything to touch. But no, every time I come over here, there's just more shit on our podcasting table. (laughs) More and more shit. It's because I have no other spots in my house to put it. That's true. Lens, I've missed you. You have. I'm kind of... Saddened that we, we have Sounds like you were having fun without me, though. Oh, I definitely was. Yeah. I mean, I was a road warrior. And even though it was just two weekends uh, that I went to different conventions, it, it felt a lot longer. Yeah. Because we haven't recorded a general talk about some books, talk about some news, you know, who True. gives a shit about this and that. They were kind of specific to the conventions or doing interviews with people that this is what I love. This is... Just being chatty. Yeah. yeah. Just talking about things. Un- chatty and unprofessional, whereas yeah. at conventions you have to be extremely professional. I think we're still Well, maybe not extremely. Just a, <laughs> yeah, smidgen more yes. than being yes. being in my, you know, a shirt and, like, sweatshorts. Yes. He does wear clothes, guys, just in case you wanted to know. Most times. If he doesn't, then I would not be here. <laughs> this would be a solo show. Well, there have been a couple of times where I've I've dressed up even. Yes. In your Yeti outfit. Yeah. Or my Superman yes. shirt. Yeah. That's true. I'm trying to decide if that's worse or better than being in your underwear. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Better. I, it's better. Okay, it's say, better. I don't know how to take that then. <laughs> compliment, not compliment? Oh, man. All right, well... uh Let's talk about some books. There's been a lot of books. Like yes. three weeks. Worth. I know. I have I'm been and I've been terrible because we haven't literally this podcast is the reason why I remember to pick up comic books every week. <laughs> so if we don't record, I forget to get my comic books. Really? Because I don't need to get them and I'll cut I never read them right away anyway, so they just accumulate until I get like ten of them and then I read them all at once. For the most part. Some of them I read when I get them. But um, so I actually haven't picked up a whole lot of comic books in the past couple of weeks. So I'm, I'm kind of disappointed because I have, and well, I've been at conventions, but I haven't ha- had a lot of time to read them and yeah. driving and then being at the just convention. those five days during the week where he has nothing else to do. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But some of these books have gotten like I'm just gonna say wordy, and I love uh, yeah. I love wordy books. There was uh, came out not this past week but the week before I think Iron Man 600. That book was and I picked it up because I thought it was like the start of a new one, but I forget they're renumbering, so number one's gonna be the new art. Right. But it was the tying up of where's Tony, because uh, you know his AI. Was helping Riri become Ironheart, and mm. the real Tony's body was missing. And it also seemed like it might be officially the last Bendis story because there's always like, oh, his last uh, Miles Morales story. This not the dude keeps having all these fucking scripts yeah. and stuff that he's done, and he's managed <clears throat> to be able to work at both DC and Marvel at the same time. I yeah. think is what's going <laughs> <Yeah>. on here. <laughs> Well, with some of the crossover things that we'll talk about later, it seems like more and more that might happen. The thing is, it there were pages that just had word boxes that were spread out to make it seem like it wasn't a whole freaking like prose right. book. But it was wordy, preachy, getting to the heart of Iron Man and stuff, and you know, given the knowledge and that felt, and it was also a bigger book too. It felt like it would take two hours. I can't remember how long it took to read, but I was like, damn. Also, mind you, I haven't read some of the other Iron Man before then. Mm-hmm. I kind of stopped reading it once Tony went kaput. And I love it when you talk about Iron Man because it often sounds like you're talking about yourself. <laughs> <laughs> That's when Tony went kaput. Yes. <laughs> so I was a bit lost and, you know, it was good. But with being wordy, it there's a lot of other books that have been wordy as well. Yes. Uh, Justice League, or No Justice, number four, just came out. And in the book, I would say for, like, an event, it did a hell of a good job. I'd even say so much as the Avengers No Surrender, I've talked about that before, was a decent event. It was longer than this. It was... But it was still good. It was self-contained. It was not needing everyone and anything to die. All the other books. No Justice the same way, but it because it's only four issues, they have to get a lot of wordage in. Mm-hmm. So there is like word balloons left and right going on some of the pages that you're like, well, damn. like it's I need too to... many word balloons. Yeah, it takes you a while to read, which yeah. I love that about comics. 
But going back to the point of, do I have time to read this many comics? They have recently gotten crunched down into, I can only read a couple. Do you think that, I feel like in the past, writers kind of let the art do some of the talking, and the art is even more amazing than what it used to be, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I feel like art just keeps getting better and better and better and better. So why then are they starting to also get wordier? Is it that now we're just really into exposition? Is that, <laughs> is that what our, and dialogue, is that what America wants to read? I think so. I think that the, the witty banter is something that has been growing. Yeah. And I will say that is due to, to Bendis. Yeah. Uh, I think it's due to movies, too. That's why yeah, movies true. Yeah, have gone. Yeah, the yeah. quips and everything. Yeah. So I will say No Justice was really good. And I've, I don't know if I'm going to continue reading Justice League because I'm not a, a fan of the Justice League. Right. As a you whole. hate Superman. I, I've actually started to like him recently. Oh, really? Yeah. I, at least his books, but now that they're going to be taken over by Bendis, I don't know which way they'll go. So. Right. It's going to ruin him like they did Guardians. Yeah. But the last couple books were quite amazing for Superman. And even in this, he's not annoying because he's not, you know, a key focal point. And I just love my Batman books. So, the No Justice having the four different uh, teams fighting these Omega Titans that came out of the Source Wall. All this, like, crazy-ass shit that then, in this, they're going to finally save Earth. How they got here, it's just nuts crazy. The many different uh, cataclysmic events... Like, uh, they get the Green Lanterns to come in and try to help. These giant, you know, Titans are outside of Earth. They're about ready to eat it. They get the trees that were somehow there was a seed on Earth, too, because everything needs to revolve around Earth. That goes up. The trees sprout. But then they find out that because of the strong will on Earth, that one of the trees made a seed. So maybe they can take this seed... And it seems all convoluted Mm -hmm. in how it's going to work out. But when you have uh, Cyborg giving the energy of all the trees to the seed so that the seed will become, you know, a focal point that they can then shoot it into one of the Titans so that the other three Titans will will eat it. There are some some good hero moments throughout here of them igniting their trees, their seeds. Uh, There was... Sounds very sexual. Well, <laughs> it's not. But but Hell's like you know the salt. Hell pretty much tells Cyborg this seems too insane to work, and Cyborg goes, Hell, this this started because Batman ripped open the door to a dark multiverse and unleashed a literal dragon onto our world that we needed to fight back with magic metal. Then that, when they defeated that, that opened the source wall that then had these creatures come in. And these things were kind of like Galactus in a sense, except mm-hmm. for they're not in thinking and not like interacting. They just, they hunger, but they are there to help the universe to its death. They're a natural source of that. Well, they killed one of them. I wonder how that's going to fuck up things yeah, down the road. I'm sure it won't. <laughs> And actually, in number three, do you know who Starro is? Yeah, he's that big fucking starfish. That psychic bad guy. Who you look at and think, oh, he's a starfish. Easy. But he's actually a 
pretty like pretty intense villain. Yeah, I've <laughs> never. Uh, it wasn't metal that I first was like, is that a fucking starfish? And I had no clue who it was. I had to do a little research, and I was like, damn, that is kind of an awesome, stupid looking name and and creature, but. He sacrificed himself. You had this, uh, in No Justice, you had the different teams that were filled with bad guys and good guys because Brainiac thought that's what was needed to be done. Little did everyone know that Brainiac was double-crossing them for other means anyways, and there's a new Brainiac, Brainiac 2.0. Oh. That has a viral dox is his name. It's a weird mm. V-R-I-L-D-O-X, I think. Mm-hmm. I don't. I can't call him that. He's got to be called Brainiac. Yeah, viral docs. But that Starro sacrificed himself to to give everyone time to flee was kind of a sacrificing moment. Like, because obviously he sacrificed himself, so the sacrifice right. moment, a hero's moment, is what I meant to say. It was a good. Did he sacrifice book. himself by losing a limb? Because I heard starfish can grow those back. Uh, he got. Ripped the fucking half, Did he? like yeah. And now there's just gonna be eaten. two starros. Yeah, <laughs> that, that could be funny. Uh, if all of a sudden, yeah, we see. Well, they also released all these worlds too, from like uh, Kalu, where Brainiac's from. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Uh, Probably not. I, I don't it sounds anything. right to me. <laughs> so now you have all these new worlds that can be explored, and it seems like they're getting very into some spaceship because. Mm. Although the trees are still on Earth and some mysteries with those trees now, it seems like a lot of these things are space-bound, which usually that's, you know, the Green Lanterns and right. stuff that will explore that stuff. So I don't know how much the Justice League or the repercussions are going to come in the Justice League books, but I thought it was really well done. And then also you find out that um, Oliver Queen is now the, the most powerful superhero ever. What? He was given Martian Manhunter is now the chancellor, the like the head person of the Justice League now that they reformed. Okay. And he gave uh, to Green Arrow a box. Said, protect that. What's that's, in the box? Yeah. That's the most powerful thing on this planet. It is the means to destroy Justice League. Oh. I th- because John was saying how we... Uh, if we get too powerful, if, you know... So it c- kind of goes back to what Batman has always had, those, oh, you know, Max. contingency plans yeah. and everything. So now, the one person that is kind of useless... Yeah. Uh, he's, he's the he's Hawkeye. He's Hawkeye, yeah. <laughs> now he has something... And I wonder if you know that they didn't... They put that on the page because that's going to come up eventually. Right. There's going to be some bad guy that's going to be hunting him down to get this box or... Maybe he even starts thinking one way and thinks, you know, Batman's being a dick or something to take him down a peg. Interesting to see hmm. what is exactly in the box. I know at least with Batman, there were some files that you could read a couple things, like Kryptonite versus yeah. Superman, or there was physical objects that Batman has had before. So I'll be curious to find out what's in there. I have some other books I want to talk about too, but uh, Power Rangers... Power oh my God. Rangers. That was just the shattered uh, grid. Grid, yeah. It's still going strong. I was disappointed that there wasn't one this week. So good. Yeah. It is having this evil Tommy Oliver is 
weird. It's just like epic in scope. It is so good. He's a alternate dimension t- Tommy, right? He's as if the Power Rangers didn't save him when he first was under Rita's control. Right. So in that timeline, ah. that's where that's why the whole shattered grid came about is because when you look at they try to put all the Power Rangers as in the same universe, same timeline. Right. The TV shows at least because there are some that have direct uh people from previous ones and the first couple seasons had angel grove how they shot them and then there's some far-flung future and but then you realize though that some of them can't like coexist they could have the same past like they all kind of reference the original power rangers but from there then you have arcing realities so what if there was this other arcing reality that went in this way Mm. for their dark universe with shattered grid instead of timelines now though it is a grid. Think of like a giant map. And now each one of these universes it has its own timeline, but it's not fixed on like a point. You can't time travel back on the line. You're in this world and you can cross the barriers to other, the universes that they're in now, but it's not on a time scale. Sure. If that makes sense. It's a little confusing, but that kind of stuff normally is. Very confusing. All right, we'll do a quantum physics uh, lesson. Well, it reminds me of that. What was the uh, event that Marvel did? Um, Secret Wars. Yeah, was that the one where it all came? Yeah, together in a world. In on a world. Yeah, and kind of think of it that way, except for their their universes. Their Earth is still an Earth, but when you're looking at the map, they're edged to each other instead of on a line where you'd say this point, this point. I have so many questions about this. So. Not that we wanted to discuss this this much, but so is this something like you and I, we live in this universe and this time period and then like Kentwood, which is the town next to us, that's a different universe. So could we, do we all know that this is a thing? Like we all know that we can just go to other universes or is it something only the Power Rangers know or what? Oh, just the Power Rangers okay. and, and only like it seems like the main team there's been a couple Power Rangers from different uh, groups and different worlds that have come over to the main world. Okay. I, I would say the original world okay. is going to always be the main world. So if we went to Kentwood, it would just be our Kentwood. Yeah. But if the Power Rangers went to Kentwood, well, it would be a different universe. Think of it as there's like a magical barrier where they could still go to Kentwood, but they also know there's a barrier here. You have the you know, morphine thing and you can open up a door and then Ah, you go over to that world. Now it makes sense. I was just thinking like, all right, so there's just all Uh these universes coexisting everywhere now. (laughs) They have different dimensions in the same area. Yeah. It's actually interesting because the book that I just read, um, the body tales of Laszlo Kale, it's a sci-fi book. And part of it, part of the concept of the book is that, um, these, interdimensional time portals started opening up and all of the possible existences of the universe all exist in one area now. So you can go to like prehistoric times, you can go to future times and you can cross these barriers and it doesn't affect you. You just can keep going back and forth. So like the villain in this book is Edgar Allan Poe. This is the actual Edgar Allan Poe, but existing in this timeline. And the whole thing was that when they opened up, they thought they were going to, it was going to be this mass chaos, but actually just ended up being okay. Like, it just made okay. Paris this international hub of time, basically. 
which I thought was really interesting because you have dinosaurs and futuristic shit and all this all existing in Paris at one time. And it's just cool. That's just, they're just chill <laughs> with it, which I thought was really interesting. Um, that was a great segue into my book. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Uh, so this book that I read, The Body Tales of Laszlo Kale, is from writer Andrew Maxwell. And I actually reviewed a book that he did a while back called Rum Row, which is about, it's like a prohibition era type book that takes place in the sky and like hot air balloons and zeppelins and stuff like that. Very cool book. Uh, this book, completely different than that. Totally different than that. And um, I don't know if I was expecting it to be on the similar vein, but I got to the second page of this, second or third page of this book, and it was like sex. Like, there is just sex in this book. Like, straight up, like, you're like, oh, this is completely different than <laughs> what I was expecting. Because the main character of this book was a gigolo, and now he's an art dealer. So he used to have sex for money, and now he just deals in art. But they talk about him being, like, the best that there was and stuff like that. So it's a very interesting way to start a book. <laughs> it piqued your interest? It, it did. I was like, where is this going now? Because I'm, I'm totally down for all that kind of stuff in comic books. I think it's great. But I knew that, like, the minute... So he... The, it starts with Laszlo going to meet this guy, and the minute they open the door, this green alien-looking thing is, like, seductively sitting on the bed, clearly naked. And I was like, oh, this is going in a direction I was not expecting. <laughs> and the whole book was kind of like that. The art in this is very much like the... It kind of reminds me of... You know the cartoons they used to play? I think it was on Nickelodeon where it was like Dexter and Johnny Bravo, yeah. where it's that heavy line, very colorized sort of animation. That's what the art in this book reminds me of. So it's interesting because to me, it's a very cartoony style uh, art, but it's, there's very adult material in this. <laughs> Is that supposed to be an x-ray or what? So <clears throat> organ ray? Well, kind of. So in so he has sex with this alien creature art dealer guy, and they have this thing um, that they call ghost now that they wear on their wrists, and it's supposed to be this symbiotic technology where you inhale this vapor and these things attack everything in your body that is not meant to be there. Oh, nice. So it kind of heals yes. you. Yes, yes. And so he had had sex with this man and then took the symbiote in to make sure he didn't get any sort of venereal disease. Oh. Um, but and then it <laughs> and then it expels itself <laughs> from your body. Um, and it's supposed to go back into the little watch that they store it in. And supposedly you're only supposed to use this one. T it's like a one time use only thing. And if you use it more than once, it's not as effective. It's not as effective because the symbiote's taking on stuff, right? So, and that I wonder how that's gonna that comes into play later in the in the book. How not to ruin your review, but when is this book out? It comes out in July. The Kickstarter actually comes out in July. So how so, much of, of the review are you supposed to allowed to do? I'm not going to give it all away. This is literally just like the first five pages of the book. Holy shit. <laughs> this all happens. You have me sold. I know. It's an it's actually a really great story. It's funny, but there's intrigue in it and it 
it brings together different, um, you know, like, again, it's got Poe in it, and it's got these alien creatures who are, like, beyond humans and stuff like that, and all kind of coming together, and your main protagonist is a gigolo who now deals in art, and it's just all, and he has, a like, a protector who actually, she kind of reminds, she's got the same, similar attitude of Tank Girl. I kind of actually really love her. She's really great. But great book. Super funny. Also very interesting. The whole concept of the different time portals existing in one city, I think is going to be something very cool to read about. So anyway, again, the Kickstarter for this is coming out in July, July 10th. So that's when the Kickstarter starts. Um, you can go to Facebook and look up Laszlo Kale and get little snippets of the art and little previews and stuff like that. But both things that Andrew Maxwell has written have been great. So I would totally hop on this when it starts. Mark your calendars. Um, the art is by Goran Gligovich. And I really hope I pronounced that right. But I think it's Gligovich. We'll find out. I'll ask Andrew. Make sure I can amend that later. Um, very good. Thanks for sending it to us, Andrew. Excellent. Uh, I want to go back a couple weeks. I know that's when it came out, and I didn't talk to him about it. Deadpool number 300. Okay. The ending of that series. And in it, we started to get... Uh, they've done this before, where Deadpool then wants to die. So he he feels bad because he killed Coulson, but it was because Hydra Cap... Uh, or as he calls him, Stevel. Stevel. <laughs> Stevel Steve. Oh, uh, made him do Deadpool. it. Because Deadpool thought he was he was following the orders of Cap because he looks up to Captain America. Right. And so through it all, he then uh, realized that he can't die and he wants to die. So he wants to almost uh, die by, like, you know when people like commit a robbery to suicide by mm. police or whatever? Yeah. He wanted to do, like, suicide by... Marvel characters. Well, he he robbed robbed some villains, uh, like doing a gambling thing on a boat, stole a bunch of millions of dollars, and then posted that as bait for all these villains to come try to kill him. And when Bullseye was going to actually do it, he Deadpool had this whole thing because they're like, "Well, we can't kill you." Him and um. What's the skull face guy now? I can't think that. No strategies. Taskmaster? Yeah. So both of them were fighting Deadpool, and it was a good arc. This actually isn't all in 300, but it kind of sets it up. He he then had this elaborate plan of you chop me up, you put me in that, that wood shredder, and then you feed all my pieces to these piranhas. I'm like, damn, he kind of really thought about how this yeah. this could work. But then when they found out that he's the one that posted it, they're like, this isn't how we want to kill you, like you wanting to do this. Right. Takes all the joy out yeah, of it for us. So. so then they kind of let him go through it all, though there was also this uh, man in a wheelchair that Deadpool had pissed off, and that guy was an awesome marksman shot, and it was hilarious because Taskmaster was wheeling him around when he was going after Deadpool. <laughs> The, if it sounds funny, it's because it is. So we got this. So then he's realizing, well, the villains can't do it. Maybe the heroes can. And he goes up against Hawkeye and and Kate Bishop, and he says something about. Someone said something about not shooting Kate. He goes, 
because he has two guns at him. He goes, you're right. I wouldn't shoot a girl, but I'll shoot you twice, <laughs> you know, to Hawkeye. Ultimately, we get to a part where he's, he had the secret formula that he got off world when he was in space at one point that was supposed to give him superpowers or make him invincible. What it ended up doing was, so he rubs it on himself because he's like, I'm going to have this giant battle. I'm going to go fist to fist and I need to last long enough to where finally they can do a killing blow. Otherwise, they could have a powerful person just wrap him up and fight's over. Right. So that was his thinking. So he's bathing in this stuff and he thinks it's, you know, making him super powerful. It made his stink so vile that Everyone that came in contact with him was puking. <laughs> so imagine oh, pages. There what? were multiple pages because this was a, a thicker book. A people superheroes just puking, and oh, then my God. then Ant Man became Giant Man and threw. Off. And they were like, "No, no, stay back, stay back!" And then you just see the. <laughs> oh, and then the whole oh. streets got covered. Uh-huh. It was so <laughs> fucking good uh-huh. of a send off. Uh, it was great. Uh, resolved some issues. Um, he's back to kind of well. He he died and then he's back and it's. I I can't wait to read the Deadpool. I liked him kind of being a dick again, a mercenary, but he is too much of a heroist, vigilante. Yeah, he's. I don't even know that I would qualify him as a hero. But he really likes getting credit for things. Oh, yeah. He wants and to he be gets, an X-Man. He gets better credit when he does nice things. But he doesn't care how he gets to the end of it. As long <laughs> as he gets to that end. Speaking of which, minor spoilers, but as we talk about things, we spoil other things. What was your favorite part of Deadpool 2? Oh, my God. Actually, I, I got two of them because... That movie was just so fucking good. The best end credit scenes ever. When he's fixing all the oh, rights yeah. that went wrong. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> You're welcome, so... Canada. <laughs> I loved the fight between Colossus and the Juggernaut. That was great. I love the fact that he... Uh, kept referring to Black Tom Cassidy as some sort of racist thing, which was super hilarious. But I also love that they included him, because the minute he showed up in the movie, I was like, oh, the Juggernaut's in this, because he was always the Juggernaut's little sidekick, even oh, though yeah, that's he what was. he wasn't in... He wasn't in the movie, but in the comics, he was always Juggernaut's little sidekick. Uh, oh, God. It was his... <laughs> the whole scene with his baby bottom. That... <laughs> So something funny. So weird. Which was not a controversy at all, but Ryan Reynolds has come out and like posted publicly of, hey, I want everyone to know that, you know, in that scene that I was not sitting on a, a baby. <laughs> Did people actually think that? No, he created no controversy. <laughs> he goes, well, well no, if, if you got to finish though, he goes, I was not sitting on a baby at all for longer than an hour. <laughs> Tops. Like, so no one had uh, thought that or was thinking that, but then he's going to yeah. Twitter and, and saying that, and then it's like, oh, geez, Ryan Reynolds can do no wrong. He is yeah. the writing on that. The, X-Force, all I'm going to say, wow. Yeah. That whole scene was amazing. That was But hilarious. I think the single best thing that had me cracking up so fucking much was when he's in the X-Mansion, like, 
where the fuck is everyone? Oh. Like, why are they never here? And you just see them. They open the door. He's yeah. Close yeah. the door. Like. That was great. That was, yeah, that was just perfect. I hope that in the, the reason why that all came about is because they're filming Deadpool at the same time Days of Futures Past. So it didn't take too much to say, guys, can you just stand in this room and have Beast close it and they can. Right. Put it there. Uh, I hope that they have a scene in the X Men movie. Oh my god! A beast just closing the door, and you just see like a red silhouette in the. That would be great. That would be awesome. They take the X Men movies too seriously, though, so I don't know if they'll. It's gonna go. Yeah, there is much darker, but yeah. So that fool is great. I do it have... was great. It was so great, and I um, love that. Even though she's probably not the hope that she could be. She, there is hope, which I thought was awesome that they threw her in there. So. Yeah. There's, oh, there's so much of that movie. I'm looking forward to X-Force so yeah, much more now. Me too. Me too. That it was, was Domino was awesome. I was not sure how that was going to work out, but they did a really good job yeah, with that. Yeah, she was very sassy and yep. awesome and. Ah, yep. oh, so good. I kind of, I, I wish they would have had a different, like, backstory for this cable of mm. not having a wife and kid, maybe to say kid. Right. Because I feel almost that then there's not going to be some He's romance. Had He's had wives in the past, though. Yeah, that's in true. But, I mean, but in this universe. Right. Because you know him and Domino have a thing. He doesn't seem like who he is in this one of, I don't want to cheat on my wife. Right. Maybe one day I will get back home. And yeah. also he has a time machine now because Deadpool made one, even though <laughs> <laughs> off screen, I can just go away. But <laughs> Hi, yeah. Yukio. I know. <laughs> Hi, Wade. <laughs> oh, such a good movie. Uh, um. Is. All right. Last book that I kind of really want to talk about, even though there's a ton of other ones that I've read. I have read a lot of books. It's, it's been, it's been a while. It's been a while. Yeah. But uh, it's, Doctor Strange, number 390. This partly wraps up the new story arcs. Obviously, they are, all Marvel books are wrapping up their story arcs for their fresh start. Stupid. Right. And Doctor Strange was last seen uh, raising Las Vegas from hell because of the events of Secret Empire where it was blown up. Mm-hmm. Cool, awesome book. And there were some cool one shots uh, from that. One of the big ones that you find out is Johnny Storm. No, not Johnny Storm. Uh, who's uh, Johnny Blaze? Ghost Rider. Uh, Ghost Rider. Yeah. He was killed, but killed on purpose. Like his body was killed so that he woke up in in hell. So he's in hell. He's now ruling one of the levels of hell. Oh, that makes sense. Which then helped out, especially if it's the Nicolas Cage version. Yeah. <laughs> that's where he belongs and it helped Doctor Strange be able to uh, get Mephisto out of Las Vegas which was he was kind of who he was battling and everything so that kind of all wrapped up with a bow in that which was there was a four issue miniseries with that but it also coincided with some of the regular numbered Doctor Strange's too and like I said with those other one shots this kind of wraps up everything with his assistant who they've you know, he was always hoping that she'd come back. Thelma? Yes. It starts off, and I want to say this too, I, I don't like being negative, 
I'm not a big fan of the art style mm-hmm. in this book. It it's is definitely more of a painted style. Yeah, it's cool, but it's I I just don't. Fraser Irving did it, and I'm not the biggest a fan of it. But it starts off with Spider-Man being up in the Sanctum, what the Doctor Strange's house. Sure, and she's he doesn't know who this chick is, and she's like he's like I'm house sitting. Blah, blah. You later find out, though, at the end of the book, because this was kind of a, well, it was mainly the three people uh, in this book, Zelma, Spider-Man, and and Doctor Strange. You find out later, though, that really the reason why Peter was there is he just needed to go to the bathroom. He just just hopped in Doctor Strange's house. He kept going with the lie of his house house sitting, and even when they go to Doctor Strange, (laughs) he's still keeping up like the... I was house house sitting, and then he cuts off before Doctor Strange could say, "Why were you house sitting?" <laughs> but the best is uh, is his uh, ghost dog that uh, Doctor Strange has is like all like happy to see a real hero, Spider Man. Oh. <laughs> Doctor Strange is like, "What the hell? I'm part of the Avengers?" Like, yeah, but this is Spider Man. <laughs> And then it gets even crazier. So this whole book, all the reason why I'm talking about it revolves around one quick story within here. Peter pulls out a a spider from his pocket, and Doctor Strange goes, "Do you carry spiders all around?" He goes, "No, but maybe I should. I could just pull them out and throw them at bad guys and go bam, <laughs> pocket spider." But. <sighs> Really, he's like, you know, what can I do for you, Peter? And he's like, well, I heard you're, you know, veterinarian, you know, kind of Dr. Doolittle and stuff. And heard there's a spell that you can talk to animals. And Dr. Strange goes, you want to talk to a spider, Peter? The look that he makes, I don't know what kind of face. It's like, this, this is great. This art, I like just the way that that is painted. It is. Yeah. It tells so much. You go to the next page. And there's a mini story that probably is going to go down as one of the best Peter Parker Spider-Man stories ever. It's him talking to a giant spider. They're just having fun, skipping stones. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the spider's skipping like a bunch of them. It was great. And it's talking about webbing and the spider not understanding why Spider-Man doesn't eat Right. The people that he the, loves up. The spider is essentially like, why do you call yourself Spider-Man? <laughs> yeah. Your, your, your webbing comes from your, your wrists, not your your behind. Yeah. You know, you, you don't eat your people. You, uh, <laughs> the part he goes, man, you've done, uh, don't get bummed out. You've done some really good uh, stuff, man, Spider. I mean, Absolutely, like, you did this, you made your costume, crime fighting, blah, blah, all that in under a year. It's impressive. And Peter's like, under a year? He goes, well, yeah, you have our genes. Like, you say you're Spider-Man. We only live to be about a year. He's like, you look like you're well into that year. Yeah. <laughs> and then, then like, just the existential crisis of, like, Pete, every, everything dies. <laughs> It was a great interaction. The spider was hilarious. Yeah, this, it was just one page of dialogue, and it will sit with me for forever. That interaction, yeah, with with Peter Parker, and it was great. And then, yeah, it 
him coming out of it at the end, he's like, I didn't know what I, I don't know what I expected, but that was terrible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and like I said, ultimately we see, uh, Steven and Zelma, you know, rekindle a bit, but she says, no, I'm not, you know, I don't want to go back to learning magic stuff. I want to do my own thing. Yeah. But she's like, you really need a shave. And cause he's had a beard for a while now. And I like that he, he hasn't had the same facial hair as Tony Stark always does. Oh, like the yeah. Same goatee. The I mean, he's chin, had... The chin strap beard. Yeah. I mean, he's had that at points. But what I really loved is you see his transformation. He's realizing, okay, maybe I do need to shave. And so, you know, he's cleaning up the, you know, Bleecker Street and... He shaves to kind Just of a, the mustache, a, a the, porn, the porn, Cooper stash. Yeah. And then what I loved is him walking down and you see all these different robes. So he's always had like the magical robe, but it seems like either there's multiple ones or it can change. But he's obviously going to get a new look. And I kind of like the new look that he's going to have. You know, it's it's. I don't know it's it seems like more ancienty, mm-hmm. kind of like more, you know, to his roots. At first, I was like, "Why does he have a Mister Freeze helmet on?" But I think that's just magic. Yeah, it's magic bubble for <laughs> being in space. Yeah, <laughs> it looks like he's going to space now. Oh, and that's another thing. Space magic. That's another thing too. That was I want to say it was teased going back to the Iron Man six hundred. I think it was the one shot within the Marvel Legacy that had Riri go to the future mm. and she talked to future Tony Stark who was then the Sorcerer Supreme. Right. Well, in the ending of Iron Man 600, they also showed the future with him. As the Sorcerer Supreme. Yeah. That's hit... weird. I know. He doesn't know magic. He's all technology. You can't have the same, you know. Ugh. Yeah. Just because their faces look the same sometimes doesn't mean they should interchange powers. <laughs> Come on, Marvel. That would be great if in that future there was. Doctor Strange was yeah. actually Iron Man. <laughs> but nobody can tell the difference. And they keep <laughs> yeah. calling him Tony and the other and Tony Steven. <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> All right. I think we got a ton of news because well, it's been three, a while. Three weeks worth. So, I guess we won't dwell on any one thing for too long. The one thing I did want to mention is uh, we had uh, spilled the rumor a couple weeks ago that they were trying to get Jamie Foxx to star in Spawn as Spawn. And it's been confirmed (laughs) that that he is Spawn. Spawn. So... I think that'll be it. I love Jamie Foxx. I think he's a great actor. So I don't know if this is going to be the type of movie that Todd McFarlane says it is, where it's not actually a Spawn-heavy movie, if it'll even matter who's playing Spawn. But good for him for getting Jamie Foxx. I mean, yeah, that is true. I mean, well, unlike Deadpool, where Ryan Reynolds wanted to make sure that he didn't always... Well, he had the mask on when needed to be, but... It's weird when you cast uh, people in some of these roles, the producers don't want to be paying this person a lot of fucking money right. to have their face covered. Spawn, though. You kind of have to. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in the, the other one, sure, he took off his, his, his mask and you yeah. kind of had 
Deadpoolish looking face, I guess. Yeah. All blistering. Well, and stuff. it was an origin story too, so you had him pre-spawn yeah. as well. Well, that's why I'm wondering though, with they're gonna. This uh, he said. Todd McFarlane has said that this is not going to be an origin story. Well, do well. You don't need to. Have, here's the thing that places need to start doing: have a opening fucking sequence of a montage. Yeah. We are missing the montage where it opens up Battlefield, bam, dead. Right. You see falling to hell, you see shooting back up. Like they did um with uh was it one of the Justice League? Was it one of the Superman movies where they did the very, very brief Batman origin where it was just like the montage of his parents getting killed yeah. and then that's it. That's all they did. <laughs> I mean I I'm pro that, but if you know the story then you don't there's and you're not diverting from the origin at all, then there's really no need to rehash an origin story. I mean, it's a little different for Batman, who everybody knows Batman's origin story. Spawn, I would go out on a limb and say, comic book people know Spawn's origin Ooh. story. People who maybe uh, didn't even watch the original Spawn, which was a lot of people, uh, probably don't know Spawn's origin story. But, you know, Todd McFarlane wants to do what he wants to do with his own character, so I'm sure it'll be good. There's another book that I... I'm not going to get back into reviewing because I didn't have the chance to finish it, but finally S.H.I.E.L.D. number five came out. Oh, yeah. And when I started reading, I'm like, I can't fucking remember. Like, I remember, but I had to go back. Can you find them in this room? Yes, they're right here on my table (laughs) underneath some other stuff. But, yeah, I need to go. And when I was rereading at least issue number one, I didn't get through the, the first four. I'm like, damn, I remember that. Wait, I don't remember that what what's going holy cow like but it's intense yeah it is such a good you'll have to make sure you read it by the next time we well there's still uh, issue six that needs oh well then let's wait till the very end so you can review the whole thing Mm -hmm. we don't want to review the next to last one yeah (laughs) oh what else you got um so more in the stanley uh drama this is Stanley's worst year ever is what I'm going to <laughs> to label this. So suppose so he just posted a video on Twitter thanking his fans for support and stuff like that, which is the first thing he's posted in a very long time, especially video wise, besides that last one where he was like, I'm not being abused which that one the one that seemed very forced. You remember that one, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so supposedly this last Tuesday Police had to come to his house because there were two people standing outside demanding money from him and they had guns. So, like, they showed up to his house. People went outside to talk to him. They were like, you need to give us our money. And everyone was like, we have no idea what you're talking about. And then they pulled guns out and everybody was like, holy shit, and ran inside. And then the police had to come and arrest these men and nobody knows who they are or why they wanted money from Stan. But it's like, what the fuck is going on in Stanley's life right now? I saw something of dance moves or something it was a funny stupid tweet but for as fucked up as his life kind of is it seems to not be as bad as what it was like people aren't as like worried about him right now yeah that's good i'm glad things are getting back on track he's suing somebody for uh quite a bit of money because apparently they claim that they own his likeness which is a weird thing to own of somebody who's still alive (laughs) 
<laughs> you would think that that maybe that would they work to them after they died and they still have possession of their own likeness and rights while they're still alive, but apparently not. So he's suing them for a bunch of money. It's just so weird. It's the whole thing is, and he's so he's like you know he's in solidly in his uh, twilight years as we like to call them. <laughs> romantically his twilight years like he's in the sunset of his twilight years and he shouldn't be having to be deal with this shit so he's late in his life become an old man logan <laughs> uh, speaking of logan <coughs> deadpool 2 uh has over pieced or uh, over paced over I don't, I don't know what word i'm trying to say i don't know either over overtaken overtaken that's a good one yeah logan's Money, all right. Has movie box office, fuck me. I need another drink. Um, <laughs> or less. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, it's almost uh, hit it like so. Logan's domestic box office was two hundred twenty six million. Right now, it's it's almost it already got two hundred twenty seven point seven million, and it's they're saying that it could past 250 million domestically so I mean, there are people seeing it twice oh yeah and then you know it's 600 million twice. worldwide um although logan was just in the theaters again the logan noir version they put that out in theaters for the weekend oh really yeah How, what was what made it it's all in black and white oh yeah i don't know how I... the it's it's interesting because the black and white version um is still it's the exact same movie, so it's just as violent, but because there's no color, like it, I don't know, it feels different. Like you know, the beginning scene where he kills all those people and there's blood everywhere. Like you still have that scene, but because there's not all that red everywhere, it just feels like a completely different mm-hmm. thing. But. So Deadpool is like expected to become the third highest earning R-rated movie of all time. Ah. Um. Behind. I'm sorry, he's going, no, it's going to be the number one highest, but it's the third highest earning this year. Okay. Behind uh, Avengers and Black Panther? Yeah. Yeah. Comic and, books win! <laughs> and with uh, Avengers Infinity War, uh, they are at a combined uh, $1.92 billion. That's crazy. Uh, and by the end That's of so this weekend, money. it's supposed to be one point nine five. It's it's seventh uh, week in theaters, and it's still expected to add some more domestically. It's going to pass the two billion mark when it's yeah. all said and done. Now, granted, Disney's Pixar's uh, the uh, Incredibles is coming out two is coming out um, in a week or two. But there's a lot of people waiting for that movie, so that could take a hit towards both these superhero movies, but. There's still going to be people... I've already seen Infinity War twice, and I yeah. plan on seeing it maybe a third time again. It's worth seeing It was times. good. It was actually, yeah, worth seeing it just twice because you then realize, holy shit, you missed some things yeah. the first time around. Yeah. Uh, movie that's not doing so great in the theaters, Solo, the Star Wars story. It's only it's in its second weekend, and it's only made $148 million, which... Pains me to say because I wish I only had 148 million dollars, <laughs> but I think this movie cost over 200 million dollars to make, so they haven't even made back the money that they spent on the film yet, which is super fucking weird for a Star Wars movie. A and B, this movie is good. I don't know what people's problems are if they're just expecting it to be a bad movie, but I fucking enjoyed the fuck out of it. I thought it was really good, and it has a great little ending. 
I haven't spoiled it for Tony because he hasn't seen it yet. But the ending of this movie was pretty awesome. So, anyway, it's they're, the Star Wars people are losing their shit right now because it's doing so poorly in the they, box office. They, yeah, well, they shouldn't have... Put it out when they did. Made, or, yeah, now there's like a year and a half now until the next one. Yeah. Oh, I think, though, they also... They thought propping it up on a holiday weekend would help. Did not help. I think that a lot of people for Star Wars have been used to it being a winter release. Mm -hmm. I think part of like being plagued with so many different problems, but it also was like I've said repeatedly, a story that we did not care. Yeah. We did not need it. Oh, no, we needed this. It was great. It was so good. There's some mystery, though, that can be there. It was good. It was good. All right. Well, you know what I don't think is going to be good is Venom. And... (laughs) I really... With its symbiote? Yes. <laughs> Which, by the way, I saw something of Marvel schooling them on yeah. how to say that. I hope to God they dub over that in the real... Like, oh. they, that's just terrible in and of itself. That's like a new Martha. It is. I wonder if it was just a choice by Jenny... Because both, actually, both pronunciations are valid. Well, I They're think... both valid pronunciations of the word. However, in the Marvel Universe, it's symbiote. We all know this to be true. <laughs> I don't know if Jenny Slate made that conscious decision or if that's just how they told her to pronounce it. Yeah. Um, well, more trouble with Sony right now is they've taken silver and black from the schedules of releases. Yeah. And theory thought is... This Nobody is wants going... to see a movie well, about those two people? <laughs> no, people do. People want to see a Spider-Man universe. But... It comes on to the, okay, there's, you know how they have uh, audiences pre-watch yeah. movies? Yeah. Many people are thinking at this point in time, they're getting those reviews back for the Venom right now, mm. and they're realizing, fuck. Yeah. That's what my interpretation of it all is, because already seeing the trailers, I think that anyways. Yeah. And so they're like, well, we're just going to pull this because we don't know what the fuck we're doing and we should really let Marvel. It's true. And if you, I mean, honestly, look at all the other Spider-Man movies and look at the new one and look at all these movies that they're doing on their own and how they're not even coming close to how awesome Spider-Man Homecoming was. I can't even imagine without having the talent for finding Tom Holland what Sony would have done. I mean, I know that they had parts say in who played, but Ugh, I can almost guarantee you they weren't the ones that so, found it was so perfect. Tom. Even Stan Lee was like, he's the best Spider-Man. Yeah. So, I mean, the black and white script has gone through, like, a ton of people already, too. So, their excuses we're waiting, you know, you gotta have the right, a great script before we can do it. That's always code word for this movie ain't happening. Yeah. It's, it's Which, not. I mean, while it would be great to see more female-focused movies, I'm always pro that. Uh, I don't really care about Silver Sable, Black Cat, so <laughs> I'm not mad that it's not coming out. I, well, it would. It could be. I mean, they had a good comic book uh, run. Sure. So, okay, yes, they're they're also two characters that I don't care or need yeah. to see. But they're fi- like, all oh, right. But then I don't want to see the same fucking ones anyway. Right. The same movies. So this is it, how you introduce a new characters that have their own movies. You put them in a movie, and you see how well they test, and then you make a movie for them. You don't just push them into their own movie that you're not sure whether anybody else wants to see them or not. 
Because there are people who will watch it because it's a comic book movie. And there are people out there who do love Black Cat and Silver Sable. I don't know why. They seem like all right heroes slash not heroes. I can't even determine exactly what they are. <laughs> are they like Catwoman type characters? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and we all saw how good a Catwoman movie was. <laughs> it was not good. I don't know if everybody saw it, but don't. Because it was bad. <laughs> terrible. Just terrible. Just terrible. Um, so, as I mentioned before a couple weeks ago, Hasbro has now bought Power Rangers. And we don't know comic book wise what that's going to do, if Boom will still have it or not. But they are saying that Power Rangers has been undervalued for years now. And that Hasbro has big plans for them, including movies. However, that's all they've said on that. That doesn't mean if it's going to be a continuation from this reboot movie that they did. Right. I, yeah, new Zord, new, I like everything but the Zord, which is funny because I love the Zords yeah. more than everything else. Normally, Those yes. were terrible, but I'm happy because this means that we're going to see some more money pumped into it. Maybe even the TV shows, which have, are still going strong, like 19 years later. Yeah. No, no, it's even. They know. No, it's longer. Uh, Came out in 93. So what's that math wise? It's 25. 25. Holy shit. Oh, yeah. I should know that because they just had the 25th anniversary. (laughs) I'm an idiot. Uh, Oh, I think. uh, Where did I see the 19 number? Oh, I think 19 different. Oh, uh, iterations of the show. Television shows. That makes sense. It's 25 years. I feel like the first one lasted a pretty long time. And uh, then they just do a new one every year after yeah, that. Yeah, pretty much so. <laughs> so, yeah, so I'm, I'm quite happy. Looking forward to some of those toys. Aww. Uh, and also, speaking of toys, so there's a lot of things on Kickstarter. Always. That I want to buy and purchase, but Always. I don't have that money. Yes. And... Fucking Kickstarter. Atari is getting into the realm of what NES was doing oh, Nintendo like... was doing with the mini NES oh. and they are crowdfunding uh to get a retro console okay. with all their games and stuff included in it those games are terrible yes and yes however some of the classics are you know still yeah. good a lot of them became arcade ports at first sure They've, they crowdfunded over $2 million yeah. in a day. I can understand the appeal. Nostalgia is always the moneymaker, first of all. And there are so many people who, I mean, that was their first, you know, Atari was their first video game. You're always connected to your first something. So that's why I love the Nintendo so much, even though you yeah. can pay those. Not all those games are great either. Well, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, people buy, well, and I believe the NES is, the mini NES is coming back yeah. uh, into stores again for... Christmas because they realize why not right you can make a ton of money no shit so with this one though it's going to be uh a Linux OS it's going to be highly customizable there's going to be some kind of like online chat with it and kind of a virtual console as well so it's going to have connectivity it's going to be probably a little bit it's going to be more than what the Nintendo ones are which is just a box that has the games on it they may have some newer retro made games that are like mm. made now but look old school. So it could it I think it's gonna be more than that. Like retailing 
you can get on the Kickstarter um, for a pledge of like $200 gets you, you know, the first wave of these because sure. they think that at stores it's going to be like two ninety nine for Ugh. it. So it's a full-fledged... I would never pay that much money for those games. That, yeah. Never. Except for what else you could do with it, but it's still still crazy how much that it, it that much nostalgia, yeah. two million in a day. It's... I, that's impressive. Two million dollars in one day? Mm-hmm. Fuck. I wish somebody would give me two million dollars in one day. <laughs> I wish someone would give me all the comics. Yeah. I don't... That's too many comics. Too many... Well, okay. Not that. <laughs> that's too many where, comics. I don't know where to put all of them. You have but... a hard time getting through a couple dozen comics. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> Do you imagine... I wonder... How many... Do you know how many comics fit in a long box? Isn't it like... One million? <laughs> That would be a really heavy long box. <laughs> I feel like it's a, it's like what two hundred. Yeah, I could say yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. That would you don't have room in this house for two million comics. Don't no, worry. I don't. <laughs> but the Library of Congress does. <laughs> so uh, they're actually only getting three thousand items, and not all comics. But uh, Stephen uh, Jeppy, uh, the owner of uh, and CEO of Diamond Comics Distributors, mm. is donating his private collection to the Library of Congress. He has, for the last uh, couple well, couple years, um, since 2006, had, uh, and I hope I'm saying his last name right, Jeppy Entertainment Museum, where it has had a it's lot of... Jeppy or Gappy. It's one of the two. Yeah. G-E-P-P-I. And within this museum, it has had uh, plenty of, uh, you know... Firsts of things like Amazing Fantasy number fifteen and All Star Comics number eight, some original storyboards for original Mickey Mouse uh, animation. Animation. These things are worth probably millions in oh, here for sure. And he decided that he's going to close down his own private museum where he had it and give it to the Library of Congress where they can put it on display. They can be in charge of it, and then they can also. The upkeep of making sure that it's right. it's for future generations. Yep, that is awesome. That is something I feel it is like super cool. He's gonna get one hell of a tax write off for that. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> it's nice to know that we can, like will be able to go and see this stuff forever, though. You know, instead of it just being his private museum, and then what happens in the future when he's no longer on this mortal plane? Yeah. Uh, you know, does he have kids to pass it down to? Do they even want to keep it open? Is it just going to go up for auction? That kind of stuff. So, no. Some stuff deserves to be in the public. I think. You know how I always try to find significant things that you say to segue into something else? So I don't know how we can have marketing in the public eye (laughs) of Spider-Man 2 (laughs) when it's coming right after Infinity War. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> two or whatever the new Avengers movie is going to be called. So that was terrible. Yeah, your other one was better. <laughs> yeah. So uh, it's it's something though that many people are are starting to think about now. You have the next Spider-Man two coming out a couple months after the new Avengers movie, which we have no clue about. Right. Also, in the Spider-Man movie, you're going to have things that they're going to want to sh- they're going to want to show Spider-Man. Right. Is there anything that changes with Spider-Man within mm. the Avengers movie? Well, he's alive, so that's yeah. A, or is a there thing. some other people that also they 
the writers and directors have said that uh, his buddy also disappeared as well as uh, uh, Aunt May. So, Hot Aunt May. Yeah, so... Let's be very specific about which Aunt May this is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, if they disappeared, do, are they back? Do they mm. show them in the marketing? What do they show? Do they show a villain? Who, who knows what they're going to do, right. but you can't... But they need to still market. But actually, I don't think they need to. People are just going to go see the movies yeah, anyways. Yeah, but they, I mean, they have to. You kind of have to market a movie. That's but part again, of the budget. Too, but then again, too, they could do what they've been doing and just make bullshit yeah. that doesn't happen anyways. I kind of like that. I know. That's I like being surpri- surprised. Uh, Jason Momoa is no longer going to be the crow. Oh. He's officially decided that really the movie needs... More than what he can commit to. I guess this is something like he truly has wanted to do for forever. I think he would be a really good one. I th- I think no. I think you need a little bit of a skinnier, skinnier. Yeah, that can happen though. I mean, do you did you see the Machinist? Did you yeah. see the movie The Machinist yes. with Matthew McConaughey? Yeah. He was fucking emaciated in that movie. So yeah, that's a I, thing that, it's not good for you, yeah. but it's something that can happen. I don't see Jason Momoa being that type of actor that goes through that regiment of no. becoming, I don't think he can. His body's his like are, his signature. His muscles are like yeah. too big anyways. Yeah. His tattoos would look all weird. <laughs> <laughs> but I just, I didn't, I didn't really, I don't, this isn't a movie I want. I, I 100% honestly. Last week, I rewatched The Crow. It was yeah, online. It stands up. It's, oh, it's so good. It totally holds up. Even with... The way it's shot, because it's so stylized, like, it doesn't make you go, oh, this was filmed in the 90s. Like, it, it's so stylized that it literally could have just been a movie that they made last week and in that style. Yeah, the only thing would, I would say that you can... That kind of takes you out is the cgi crow flying over mm. the city at parts. But that's a small thing compared right. to the acting, compared to everything. It also got me going down a rabbit hole to 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 discuss the the urban legends and the stuff of when you know he died, when Brandon Lee died. Yeah, and yeah, it's oh, tragic. It is. No. I love that movie, and we don't need another family one. Family is cursed. That is true. The Lee family. Uh, you know what TV show I am excited? This isn't a TV show, but I, <laughs> uh, Lock and Key is fuck yeah is gonna be Netflix option Lock and Key. That which, makes me so Netflix Netflix money is yes. great. Oh god, because so, so this was gonna Hulu was looking into doing a Lock and Key well, show. Well, they they made a whole pilot. They made a couple years ago. They made a pilot mm-hmm. for Fox. They did a whole different pilot yep. for Hulu, and they passed. And now I guess even Netflix. Said, doing a we want one. it, but we like they're ordering a series, not just a season. Right. And they're like, we don't want to do what you did there. Right. We're gonna make so it better. Do, yeah. We're gonna make it Netflix. Mong mong mong. They need to have a. <laughs> need a little sound have, effect. I think don't no isn't there's like ding, yeah something yeah bong, bong, that's not NBC. NBC yeah yeah uh. Yes, I am so excited about that. I, Me too. Sometimes I get a little upset when it's not directly source material, but when it's the creators that say this is why we're doing it, right? It's not someone. It's not some marketing team fucking up the source material. Right. It's them being like, we want to tell a little bit of a different story. Still going to have the kids. Maybe they have some new keys that do some different cool things. Right. Oh, that's. I have oh, faith in that creative team. I do too. 
Um, last two things that uh, I have to discuss. So, we have talked about it before of DC and Marvel have not crossed over in ages, except for in recent times when it seems like they are mentioned or talked about or I feel silhouetted. Like the, I feel like this goes mostly in one direction, too. Like, there is a lot of one studio doing more butting into another universe more than the other one is but is that because the figures in the other universe are so iconic that you can just show a boot of somebody and you're like oh my god i know who that is about what a boot. about <laughs> a boot <laughs> I, I told derek and jay afterwards when we did a whole podcast i go i'm just proud of me i didn't say about what <laughs> at all when because he, he said it so many times I'm just like, Damn it. um but yeah so within the newest lockjaw uh the comic we have him going through the multiverse and there are many different universes that they go into one which is redacted yes that's the name of the universe it's redacted <laughs> and i love it because you clearly see Superman and Wonder Woman for the brief second that they were passing through this world. It's great. And they're like, you can't be here. This is private property. (laughs) Which I thought was great because, you know, they had to make sure they didn't show any insignias or anything like that. Yeah. Just someone with a golden lasso on their hip and a red cape flowing. Yep. So that that is awesome. Also, uh, before Fantastic Four starts, we finally got the siblings uh, in the universe now, too. They gave that little brief, yeah. So that's cool. Yeah. Uh, lastly, and this one, this is one is probably my most favorite news. I'm going to buy this book, and I don't know how the fuck it's going to work, but The Pouch is going to make his comic book debut. Okay. Do you know about the pouch, Lens? No. Okay, so I posted it on uh, our Facebook. I a feel while like ago. I probably do, but I've moved it out of Rob, my Rob Liefeld has was oh, jokingly yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. sketched something yes. and put it on Twitter, and he yes. just named it the pouch. It's is a it? whole bean made of pouches. Even his gun is made of pouches. He's yes. got pouches all over. As a joke, he just did that. There's been so much fanfare for this that. They now are going to put it on the front of uh, this one-shot Bloodstrike uh, Brutalist. And then also in there is going to be a story about, about the, the pouch. pouch. I hope it's him trying to find his car keys. <laughs> like he needs to go to battle, but he has to find his car keys. Well, I mean, <laughs> I, I want to... Seeing it as a gag is one thing. To have it come to life in a story... Is a whole nother realm, but there are so many things I want to know about. Like, why? Yeah. Like, is it, I mean, is it some sort of, like, uh, magical golem that, like, there was, he goes into Deadpool and Cable's closet and then formed? (laughs) I'd see magic being more of a realistic thing of why he's made out of pouches. Because I don't know why someone would cover themselves in pouches, but who knows if there is a person underneath there. It's... It's going to be interesting, and I am happy that they are doing that. It's weird. Uh, The only other weird news I have this week is if 
you were hoping, if any of you out there were hoping to win the Guinness Book World Record of the most Marvel. Oh, God, I forgot about that. Uh, figures tattooed on your body. Sorry to tell you that there's a man out there who has 31 and now holds the record. So if you want to beat him, you better get tattooing and you better make him real small because if you want to beat him, I think he's out of space. <laughs> I really feel, though, that someone's like, I never knew that was a record, but I have like 47. Right, like... right. Anything can be a record, kids. Make that your goal in life. It's <laughs> my wise wisdom for the week. Well, Lynn, since you have been missed, uh, how about you do the honors of booze in a book? Sure, why not? <laughs> um, so, this book didn't come out this week, but I haven't been here in three weeks, so who the fuck cares when it came out? Uh, X-Men Red number four came out. Still really good. Enjoying the story of Jean. Cassandra Nova's a huge bitch, as we all know. Comes out a lot in this book. Um... The other part, favorite part of this series to me is Namor because he's just, he's so Namory in this book. Like in the first issue, there's this whole scene where he's talking to Jean and he's sitting on his throne and he's very clearly manspreading. And all he's wearing is this tiny little fish scale Speedo. And it's like, dude, put that away. Nobody needs to see that. So they go back to him in this book because they were just in Wakanda and they feel it's not safe for them in there anymore and they don't want to put Wakanda in danger. So they go to Namor, who can hide them under the water. And uh, he's walking around in his little fish scale <laughs> bikini again and agrees to help them. And my favorite panel of the whole thing is they're talking to him and they're like, we need you to just do one thing for us. And Namor's like, what? And he's like, we need you to put some damn clothes <laughs> on. Which I thought was really funny because I was thinking that the whole time. I was watching him walk around in his little... Not that he doesn't have a hot body, I guess, but it's just like, dude, put some clothes on. Nobody wants to see that. Anyway, uh, we're pairing that this week with uh, Blue Point Oyster Stout out of New York. Oyster Stout is made with oysters, which actually makes it really sweet because it sucks all the calcium carbonate out of the shells and adds it to the beer. Sounds gross, not gross. Again, sounds gross, not gross. <laughs> Namor looks gross, and he probably is. But <laughs> I wanted to look for a drink that was called codpiece because I thought that would be really funny. <laughs> but turns out when you Google codpiece, you don't get anything related to drinking. <laughs> <laughs> so that's your booze in a book this week. <laughs> All right. Well, with that, stay thirsty for more awesome drunk on comics adventures. 